Welcome to St. James Bible Bites. This podcast was recorded live at our Sunday morning service. The talk is by the Reverend Fabian Wirtz entitled Participating in the Life of the Spirit. The readings are taken from Romans 8 verses 1 to 11 and 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 to 11. You can watch the whole service on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel, both linked on our website. The first reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give to life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Um, And it is a reminder that we have received the Spirit, but the gifts that we receive via that Spirit. It's the... The section concerning spiritual gifts. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just speak to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. We started this service by saying that you are the one who knows our needs, who hears our cries, who feels our pains, and we can heal our wounds. Through this talk, through your word, may we experience your presence once again. Know that we are loved or called by Jesus, and teach us what it means to be filled with your spirit. Amen. Amen. So we are in a series of looking at the purpose, uh, purposes of our church and uh, represented in those kind of three titles, Encountering God, that was two weeks ago, and we looked at the, how important it is as Christians to seek to encounter God, to seek to be in the presence of God, throughout the week and there are various ways you can do that and I've shown some of the application you can have on your phone to just be in the presence of God to reflect to read scripture to be prayerful but also that we as a faith community we want our activities our services all that we do to be places where we are intentional about helping people encountering God because that's the very character of God throughout the scripture God comes to his lost humanity he wants to speak, he wants to talk, he wants to lead us back to himself. So encountering God, that was two weeks ago. Last week was about growing as followers of Jesus. What does it mean to be uh, more like Jesus? To be the kind of person Jesus would be if he was me. We won't be Jesus. He was an individual and he had a specific uh, purpose, full of God, God with us. But by his spirit, the kind of life that Jesus had, the kind of ministry, the good news that he was for the people of his time, he wants us to be like this, like what Kelly says. Good news to the young people, good news to the less young people, good news to our neighbors, good news to our family. What does it mean to grow as followers of Jesus, to be a disciple, an apprentice, a learner of Jesus? And then today we're going to think about the Holy Spirit, and what does it mean to participate, to be in step with, to walk with um, the person of the Holy Spirit? Now, in my first church in Belgium, the Holy Spirit wasn't really talked about. Um, it was this kind of vague reality. Uh, Jesus, yes, it's clear. We have a story of Jesus in Scripture, and we follow Jesus, God the Father. But the Holy Spirit uh, wasn't very much talked about um, we did explore the gifts, 
But uh, the way we kind of explore the gift, if well, most probably you had those, those books with lots of like 200 questions. You know, what is your gift? And you fill out the question and you get more confused at the end. And you, you feel even more guilty. Say, I don't know what's my gift or, you know, what God wants to. So hopefully as we explore, uh, because the Holy Spirit, it took even the church sometimes to un- kind of put the Holy Spirit in, in, in God's being, in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even in the creeds, uh, you had little mention of the Holy Spirit in one of the first creeds, and then it kind of expanded. So it is important that we are open. Maybe the most important is that we are open to that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. In our first reading in Romans, um, that word uh, spirit is pneuma. It's the Greek word for pneuma. Um, I think it's there. Yeah. I haven't put it there. Um, and that in Romans 8 occurs 21 times. And 19 is about the Holy Spirit. It's one of the chapters in the whole of New Testament that speaks the most of the Holy Spirit. This one with two Corinth- 1 Corinthians 12. But the passage is not about the Spirit, in a sense, who is the Spirit, but, but what the Holy Spirit does in us, what the Holy Spirit does, the blessings and the privilege He gives to the believers. And so we have in Romans 8, first, that the Spirit gives life. And you've spoken how little life there is in our world, how dark our world is. Now, there is lots of promises to all of us uh, about how to be happy and how to have life, but we know that when we go down those lines, they don't bring life. They bring anxiety and stress and darkness. But the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does, he brings life. And he brings life by freeing us from two of those major powers that we are all under. We're born under that. The power of sin, that's the power that makes us unable to please God. Unable. No one is able to truly please God. We are under that power and we need to be delivered or freed from. And then the most um, clear power is the sure reality, one in one, you know, 100% we will all die. And the Holy Spirit frees us from the power of death and I will explain that a little bit. Through Jesus Christ, we move from one sphere, from one realm, sin and death, to a new sphere, to a new reality, which is the reality of God's life and God's spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the first thing that he wants to do with us and in us is to lead us to Christ. That's his main ministry first, to lead us to Christ, because if we are not in Christ, we don't have life. We can't understand God. We can't live that life. We're doing an Alpha course, and we are on session two, and uh, Nikki Gumbel, who's, who was the vicar at Holy Trinity Brompton in London, um, share how he became a Christian, and he says that at first, he didn't want to have anything to do with Christians. He was an atheist, and he would be willing to speak to Christians about why he believes, you know, um, atheism is right. He was not there to convert, but he didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity until when he was at university and one of his best friends became a Christian. And he had said, he had warned him, don't, you know, don't interact with those Christians, they're dangerous. And then he learned that he had become a Christian, his friend. So 
Reluctantly, he read scripture. He went to the New Testament and he read about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. He wanted to disprove. He wanted to make sure he had the argument to try to convince his friends to change his mind. And he read through the gospel and he continued. And at some point, he realized this is true. What it says about Jesus, his life, his death, and his bodily resurrection, it's true. But even knowing that it's true doesn't make you a Christian. He says, even if I knew in my head that it was true, I still didn't want to become a Christian because I thought it would be boring and I thought I would have to follow all those rules and my life would be ruined. But then he realized, but if it's true, it's logically, intellectually um, suicidal not to be a Christian because if it's true, that's the only place where I can have life and forgiveness and know God and be changed and transformed. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us to tell us who Jesus is. That in Jesus, God was breaking, we could say the curse. I think today in, in our language, the, the, the word of curse maybe is maybe the best place to start with, with a non-Christian. Um, and certainly with young people, we are so used to, um, on, on, on films and uh, Disney, it's all about a curse. There is a curse that needs to be broken. And humanity is under that reality of sin and death. And no one, no human being can break that curse. God had to come and enflesh his humanity in Jesus, live a human life, and die a human death to break that curse. So he didn't deal with the problems as something that was remote or in importance. No, our rebellion was serious. And we know from the beginning of Scripture, from Genesis, how it brought chaos and disorder and suffering and death and condemnation. Jesus, which is God with us, took on the human condition, entered in our disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right, to put it right once and for all. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to that reality, that we need Jesus, that we are unable to find peace and reconciliation with God from within. We don't have the resources. That our need is to be given a gift, a gift of new life, a gift of freedom, a gift of healing. And that's why from Romans chapter 8, it's just before Romans chapter 7, and yeah, challenge you to read it. It's all about the, a man trying to please God through the law, wanted desperately, but realizing the more he tries, the more he realizes he can't. He wants to do the right things, but he always ends up doing the wrong thing. He needs to be freed. And he said, who will free me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. He is the person who can free us. And there is this wonderful saying of Jesus that says, I stand at the door and I knock. And that's the door of each and everyone's heart. And sometimes it's the door of a heart that hasn't welcomed him for the first time, and he stands at the door and he knocks. But it can also be our door of our kind of cold heart as a Christian. What we heard, I think we need to open the door more to see how the church as a whole is failing the young generation, how we don't see the importance to focus, to 
have the resources to be among young people. So he stands at the door, he knocks. If anyone hears my voice and opens the doors, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And he with me. And that's the promise of relationships, of coming. And uh, Nicky Gamble, when he decided, God, I give you my life, um, I welcome you, I'm asking you to lead my life. What he knew in his head dropped in his heart. And that's what it means to become a Christian. God prepares, he helps us to understand, but there is a point where you have to make that step to invite God in your life. And it can be as simple as, God, come in my life. Change me, help me, transform me. And he will do it. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the doors, I will come in. So that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. He convinces us of our need, and then he brings us the assurance, once we've opened ourselves, that he is with us. Our eyes become open. And the second, he gives us this new mindset. A new mindset. And we have this strange um, saying in Romans 8 about living according to the flesh and having the mind of the spirit. And that could be at least you know, three talks uh, to, to unpack that uh, Roman 8. But what is very important, and I think a lot of Christians struggle with that, is that what Paul wants to say is that once you are in the spirit, you are in the spirit. You are not in the flesh anymore. To be in the flesh is Romans 7 is to have not the Holy Spirit with you, is to try to live a life pleasing to God on your own strength. That's to be in the flesh. Now, we can live as we are still in the flesh, in a sense that we can be fleshly. We can live with those old habits. But once we are in the Spirit, it's like to be uprooted from one ground, the ground of the world, and rooted in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, where God goes. We are rooted in Christ. So we need to live that kind of life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change the way we think, to change the way we see God, to change the way we see ourselves, and to change the way we see um, uh, the world. And it's like putting new glasses. That's what it means to be Christian, is... We all start with a certain pair of glass and we see the reality through our own self. But when God starts living in us, we see the reality through God's eyes. That's the mindset. And that's why later Paul will say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Understand who you are in God, in Christ. And then the third one is that promise that what happened to Jesus, to Jesus' body, will happen to our bodies. It was the signpost. Jesus' bodily resurrection, he was seen by people, by his disciples. One time he was seen by 500 people, and not just seen as a dream or hallucination. He was seen as a physical body. Um, Peter ate with him. We had breakfast yeah, last, last week. We heard about the breakfast he had. What happens to Jesus will happen to us because the Spirit lives in us. It is the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. He's going also to raise us 
from the dead. But that life is not just when I die and in the future. New life always springs from us. Anyone in Christ, new creation, new life. A new way of thinking, a new way of working in this life. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. And then in um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we see what the Holy Spirit gives. So there are things that the Holy Spirit does. He leads us to Christ. He brings life. He delivers us from the power of sin and death. He gives us a new mindset. He fills us with peace. There is no more condemnation. But then he gives gifts. Gifts to his body. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand how God works within, within your midst. You used to follow all kinds of phony gods, he said, misguided authorities and philosophies, and the Greeks were very well known for that, philosophies and the Greek gods and the Roman gods. But, um, and they were living as everybody else, reflecting what everyone does. And they were believing those forces that could not hear, they couldn't speak, and they could not answer their prayers. And Paul says that's not the case with the Holy Spirit. When you pray to God, when you pray to the Spirit, He hears. He can speak. He can speak to you. He can speak this morning to you. He answers prayers. The real test of God's presence in our midst, that the Spirit is active, is also not... For Paul, it's important, those extraordinary gifts which God gives to his church. But the real um, um, test of the presence is first that Jesus becomes central to the life of that church. That people turn to Jesus, that they pledge their allegiance to him, and that they become more like him. But we need the gifts of the Spirit to grow as followers of Jesus. And so Paul speaks of a unity and diversity. He speaks there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kind of service, but the same Lord. Different kind of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. There is diversity and unity because that's who God is. God is diverse, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in perfect unity. And that's what he wants the church to be. A diversity of gifts but the unity of purpose and direction. And there is a lot of list, you know, this is just part of it, but there is a lot of list of spiritual gift, and uh, you can see that in those passages. That's the diversity. But it is God who works them. And the wonderful thing is that he distributes them to each one. We are all important. We are all God's gift to each other. We are all something to bring in any kind of situation. And so he bestows those gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12. And most probably the context there is this context. A context of worship. Could be a church context, could be a life group in your home group. That context. Those are the kind of gifts that you should expect to see as you meet. As you meet, you should expect to have maybe a word of encouragement for each other, maybe a word of wisdom, of revelation. 
Maybe you feel leads to pray in a certain direction because God gives you a certain faith. Maybe there's someone who is sick in your group or you know, and you feel lead to pray for healing. Those are gifts that we should see. We shouldn't be surprised to see them. And so Paul covers those, in, those kind of three areas. There's instruction, wisdom, and knowledge. There is maybe supernatural power, faith, healing, and miracles. And then there is kind of um, uh, teaching or inspired utterance, prophecy, discerning. And there is speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. And among us, people have those gifts. I know that people speak in tongues. And it helps to build up the body. And what is really here um, quite surprising is that they are visible. They are gifts that are visible, that you could point to. They're manifestation of God's presence, the Spirit's presence among us. Nearly finished. A great theologian called uh, G.B. Phillips wrote in his book, The Young Church in Action, which is a translation of the book of Acts. He says, you cannot help feeling disturbed as well as moved. For this surely is the church as it was meant to be. If they were uncomplicated and naive by modern standards, we are ruefully, and I had to look at what that means, ruefully. It means remorsefully or even repentantly. We have ruefully to admit that they were open to God's side in a way that is almost unknown today. I wonder what it would mean for us to take seriously the gifts of the Spirit. What it would do in our town when a young people comes and a word is given to them that transforms their life. What we would do if someone comes with hitting a big mountains and there is a prayer we've just uh, sang, he can move the mountains. Do we believe that? Do I believe God can move the mountains? He is mighty to save. Maybe the best we can do is to be expectant. This morning to rejoice, to rejoice in what the Holy Spirit does and has done in our lives, the lives that he has brought us, the freedom he has given us from sin, power, and death, the fact that he has given us a new mindset that we know we don't live anymore under condemnation. But also to be expectant. Because the gifts, the workings, the ministries are manifestation of God's power, of his presence, his work, and his blessing. And we are each, each believer is the recipient of a divine favor. You've been given ability, a capacity, a gift to bring about the good news into his world, to fulfill his purpose. So I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way. And I thought maybe the best way to finish is just to create a space for us, um, to be in the presence of God, to just ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit is there. It's always been with you. But make me more in tune with you. And as we do, there will be, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, singing in just a moment. You might have something you want to share to the church, and we'll do that during the notices. Or you might have 
uh, a thought that comes with something you know. You know, you're praying for a person, there is a situation, and you might receive from God uh, a word of encouragement, something you need to do. Do that. Um, or you might realize God is speaking to me today. Uh, maybe for the first time you want to give your life to him. And there will be prayer ministry after, but you can do that just right now. And then you can share that. Say, I think God has done something today with me. Can we pray together? So we'll just take a moment, and I'll just um, very simply uh, going to ask for God's Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, come. As a gentle wind, as a powerful presence. You know our needs, you hear our cries, you feel our pains, and you come to heal our wounds. For more Bible Bite podcasts, simply visit our website www.stjamestaunton.co.uk and click on resources. Thank you for listening and may God be with you today.